hearts are open and receptive, God, to receive your word. And we receive this word with meekness, this engrafted word for is able to save our souls. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you. Thank you that the eyes of our understanding on tonight is being enlightened. Thank you that the word will become a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you that the interest of your word gives us light and gives us understanding. Thank you on tonight that your word is forever settled in heaven. God, we just thank you, God, that your covenant will you not break nor alter the things that have come from your lips in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that your word is the final authority. So we receive it on tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So we thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you on tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory God. Hallelujah. We've been going over um, the pattern of the church. And I'm telling you all, every time I go over, it get mm-mm, good. As they say, it get gooder and gooder and gooder. So I thank God for what we're learning dealing with the pattern of the church. And I don't know about you, but it's helping me out even going back um, to come back and bring it to you guys. And Every time I go back, I want to start over again. Have you ever been like that? (laughs) You want to start over fresh because it's so good. You want to make sure that you don't miss anything. And God is reminding me when we put our food before us and we have acquired a taste for that food, we can't wait to sit down to eat it. And we're telling somebody over here, give me a napkin, telling somebody over there, pass the salt, telling somebody over there, I forgot my fork, telling somebody over there, give me the pepper while you're at it. We want to make sure we have everything so we can get that food the way it needs to be. Is that not right? And guess what, y'all? It should be like that with the word. It should be even better when it comes to the word of God. We should be ready to gravitate and go to the place that God is bringing forth his word through whoever he chooses to bring it forth through. We should get excited because we know that the word gives us life and give it to us what? More abundantly. Amen. So we've been talking about the pattern of the church and I've been talking about the different types of gifts. And I'm going to go there again because I believe that the more I go here as I move on, we would... Um, get more revelation, we get more understanding. Some of you may have grabbed it the first time, some of you may have grabbed it the second time, but I'm going to keep bringing it in here each time so that way all of us will be on one accord. And one thing I want everybody to know in this place, that every individual in here is important. We all need one another. Don't get upset if you have a gift of serving or you have a gift of giving, you have a gift of mercy, you have uh, the gift of a perceiver um, dealing with prophecy, or if you have uh, a gift of being an exhorter, whatever your gift is, give God glory for it. And the reason why I'm saying this because people look at these gifts in the body of Christ as being unimportant. That's not so. Because that's why he said every joint supply, each member needs one another. And if we can realize that we need one another, guess what we can do with um, these things that God has given us to help um, do things in the kingdom the way God wants them to be done. Jesus understood 
the gifts that he had, these motivational gifts. I call them motivational and I also call them operation, but it's the same thing. So Jesus knew all of these gifts and he operated in these gifts while he walked the earth. And as he operated in these gifts and the Holy Spirit manifested himself through Jesus while he was operating in these gifts and he operated in every last one of them and he operated in them in them so well that God said even when my son comes back to be with me he said I'm going to leave these gifts in the body of Christ and God set up these gifts even before the world began even before you even thought about God had one of these gifts in you even before you were born again when you popped out your mother's womb Um, I believe your mother and father, if they had this teaching, would recognize which motivational gift represents you. And as that gift is recognized, even while you're growing up, when you come into the body of Christ and is born again, then the Holy Spirit, which lives and abides on the inside of you, will begin to manifest himself through whatever gift that you have. So everybody in the body of Christ play a part in the body of Christ. And if you know which part you play, that's the part that you need to function in. You do not need to be functioning in something that God didn't give you to function in because what happens, it brings confusion to the body of Christ. So know what your function is. And when you know what your function is, it doesn't matter what nobody else say. When we look at a body, we have our hands, head, we have our eyes, we have our mouth, we have our ears. The body has everything that it needs to do what needs to be done, right? If, if one of your eyes is missing, you know you're limited in that area, right? If both your eyes are missing, you know you, you don't have vision in that area. But guess what? Every joint supplies. When every joint come together, it makes up that one body, which is Christ. And the thing that I love so much is... We have to come together to make up the one body. He was one body, but we have to come together to make up that one body. Jesus carried all of this, but when he left, God set these gifts in the church to represent his son that's now with him in heaven. So we should get joy to know I'm representing Christ here on earth. I'm a part of his body. Y'all, that is so wonderful. And if you can grab hold and say, he chose me to function in this part of the body. And I'm giving him glory for the part that he chose. This is the key. You do not choose where you want to function. I don't just place you where I think you need to be. That's why we have to be on one accord because if we put anyone in a function they don't supposed to be in, they're trying to do something outside of the spirit and it won't work. You will always have chaos and confusion. Now you can put somebody in a function that's supposed to be in that function, but if they don't understand that function, then they'll think this is not where I need to be. But they're already doing these things, but they're saying, no, I don't want to be a server. I want to be a prophet. But if God ain't called you to be a prophet, then you're going to have to go in the function that God has called you to function in. Everybody's not going to be a prophet. Everybody's not going to be a teacher. Everybody's not going to be a pastor, an evangelist, or an apostle. That's why he said some. He have put some in the church. That don't mean everybody's supposed to preach. 
Everybody's a minister, though, so you can go out, you can minister, be a disciple upon what you have learned from those ministry gifts. They're the ones that help you to get where you need to be in those motivational gifts. Y'all, isn't this exciting? When we understand the whole picture, then we won't have so much confusion in the body of Christ. So let's take it from the top. Amen? 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 4 through verse 7, and you have a sheet, so I know you can follow along. Who don't have a sheet? Okay, Brother Willie, y'all wasn't here. I have two. Who else don't have a sheet? Okay, do me a favor, somebody. Uh, can you make copies? How many need a sheet? Ooh, it's a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So, he say, I'll make 10. Okay, so I'm going to go over it. Well, I'm going to go ahead and keep moving while he's making the sheet, and you can look on the sheet when you get it back. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 7. One thing I want you to understand is, if you don't have a sheet, you should have a Bible. Always have your Bible with you so you can follow along. Now, I move fast. But I'm kind of slow when it comes to this scripture here because I want to make sure everybody know where I am. And it's good to flip through your Bible so you can break it in so you won't have to keep licking your fingers like you got a piece of chicken. Once you break that Bible in, it's going to flip wherever you want. It's going to be so easy and you're going to be like, let me show you something. You get so excited just flipping your page. Did anybody get excited about flipping the pages of their Bible? Who get excited about when you open your Bible and you feeling them pages and they going where you need for them to go and you just rubbing them and you just ready to get into it? Ain't that ain't that much excitement in this room, is it? It's exciting for me, y'all, just to touch them pages and just to sit there and say, what you got to say, God? See, that's how much joy you suppose. If you haven't gotten that yet, don't feel bad. It ain't too late to get it, but it's going to come a time where you're not going to have a Bible to open. You're not going to have a Bible to flip through. It has to come from the pages of your heart. So that's why take advantage of what you have and don't just leave it in your car and throw it behind the seat or look down on the floor and say, hey, is my Bible up under the seat? Don't just leave it in church. Take it everywhere you go. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 7, it says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So this is what Paul is saying. There are differences of gifts, but the same spirit. That means everybody may have a different gift in the body of Christ, but it's the same spirit that operates in these gifts. And then it says, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And then it said, there are diversities of operation, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So what God has done, he has put these different gifts in the body of Christ. Everybody has a different function, but we're working together. Every function worked together to make up that one body. And as we're working towards what God has us 
doing, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in whatever gift he choose to manifest himself in. That's why the Bible say, as the Spirit wills. It is not for us just to jump out there and say, just because Eunice is prophesying today, I'm going to go prophesy to somebody. It's as the Spirit wills. It's not for you just to copycat somebody because they're doing it. So we talked about the different types of gifts. The ones we're dealing with is the operational gifts. And these operational gifts are the gifts that Jesus operated in while he was here on the earth. And when Jesus left, these gifts was left in the body of Christ. And these gifts were left and they manifest, it says, this is how the Holy Spirit operates through the members of the church to do the work of the ministry. So you will see people in the church operating in these seven operational gifts. And in order to know these seven operational gifts, you have to know how they operate. Because the Holy Spirit, he's there operating through these people, dealing with these gifts according to Romans 12, verse 3 through 8. So we have to understand that it's not as we will, it's as the Holy Spirit wills. And we determine it is not for you to pick or choose which one of these you function in. I'll give you an example. Let's use Tashika back there. If Tashika have the gift of giving. And if she was growing up and she always wanted to give, every time you turn around, Sheikah's giving something. When she gave out of this, then she go get something else to try to give somebody. So during her life, you notice this pattern of her giving. When she go into the body of Christ and she accept Jesus, that's a norm for her. It ain't going to be hard for her to give like it would be for someone else. Why? Because God had already placed this gift in her before she become born again. But now the Holy Spirit, he's going to work through her in the body of Christ to let people know what this gift is, the gift of giving. So you have to know your function in order to function in that function. Let's go back to 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Is everybody getting it? You sure you're getting it? We will find out, won't we? 1 Peter 4, verse 10. The word of God is just so good, and we don't want to miss anything that the word has. It says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, each of you have received a gift to use to serve others. These gifts that you receive is for you to do what? To serve others. It is not for you to go out there and sell them. What do I mean? You got people that have gifts and what they do, they put on meetings and they put on shows or put things on to operate in these gifts and they get money for people to come to see them operate in these gifts. How about we got a prophet coming to town. If you want to come out and and hear what God got to say through this prophet, then you're going to have to pay this amount or you go and then the next thing they have is lines. They have lines set up, $50 line, $100 line, all these lines. And then they say, God got a word for you. It's double portion night. If you want a double portion, here's $100. It's $100 to get the double portion. God ain't going to give you a double portion of no anointing. You done got all the anointment that you're going to get. You ain't getting no double portion of nothing. You got more than Elijah had 
under the Old Testament more than Moses had because they didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit the way you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They want what you have today that they did not have. So don't let people fool you by them telling you something that nobody knew this. That could be a familiar spirit. So you got to know about the gifts in order to know who is operating according to the word of God. So we see that it says each of you have received a gift to use to serve others. I want to encourage you tonight. Everybody in here has a gift. There's not a person here in here that's more important than anyone else. But through going through these gifts, you're going to know why people act the way they do. Why they talk the way they do. Why they have so much zeal in what they do. Why they more on fire than you are with what they do. And I always, I pick on Sister Denise. And the reason why I pick on Sister Denise, because when you don't understand a person, when you don't understand their gift and what they're doing, sometimes people feel like, enough. You know, right, Rick? Enough. I'm just picking on Rick because he was in Myrtle Beach and this man had a gift of blabber. And he kept blab, 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 and Rick just hit the table and said, enough. He got enough of that blab, blab, blab stuff. He finally just told him to hush. So what I'm saying is when somebody is operating in their gift and you don't understand the, the characteristic of that gift and you don't understand what's behind the gift, you would say that person is pushing it too far. She's so far up a possible behind she can smell her. Don't you hear this in the body of Christ? And people say they, people do this to get brownie points. But when you understand the gift, you will understand where a person is coming from. And we won't put that individual down. We will encourage that individual to keep doing what they do. So going through these gifts, whatever your gift is, don't shut down your gift because people are not accepting you. Because people don't appreciate what you do. If you base your gift on how people feel, you will shut down in what God has given you. And guess what? That part is going to be missing in the body of Christ. I have to use the illustration. Again, with Sister Denise. And I'm going to tell you why I use Sister Denise. One reason why I use her because she don't get offended. And another reason why I use her, because I know the gifts she truly operate in, and I know some other people operate in, but I'm still on this serving thing that she operating well and giving well. It got to a point in Sister Denise's life, and I think she told y'all, that it, it looked as if people didn't want to hear her, didn't want to receive her. It's just like she just shut down and didn't want to do nothing anymore. Is that correct, Sister Denise? So she backed off of what God was giving her and say, I'm not going to do nothing. But see, when you see a gift laying dormant in the body of Christ and you know that every joint supply, it is my job with the position that I stand in that God has given me. I watch over the sheep and these gifts that are in the house and I have to go to the person that God is showing me that has shut down. Now that woman over there tell you, no, I'm fine. Everything all right with me? No, it's not. It's not right. So I had to deal with Sister Denise with this gift to let her know if this is what God gave you to do, you don't worry about how people perceive you. You keep it moving. Is that my main word? We're going to keep it moving. We don't stop because people are not moving. 
the gift that she has, somebody may not be operating in that gift, but that should not stop them from participating in the body of Christ to help out that member that's carrying forth the gift that God has put in their lives. Because all of us are here to help one another. The enemy want to bring division. So what he's going to do, if he see the body of Christ moving the way God want him to move, he's going to have to have somebody to come in there and say, you see what Kwana doing? She's trying to take apostle place. She's running this joint up in here. Don't y'all see how she doing this and how she doing that? And let's say a person go back to Kwana and say, girl, I heard you didn't hear what they say about you up in there. They're saying you're trying to run the place. I'm using it for an example. But Kwana knows. Kwana don't pay him no attention. Kwana began to encourage the person who come to her. She began to lift them up. So that's an exhorter. They're not going to take that and put it down. Kwana began to show compassion while the person is running their mouth. So she shut them down. How is Kwana doing all this? Because she know how the gifts function. So she ain't got time for isms and schisms in the body of Christ. So then the gift that the Holy Spirit want to stir up in her through the manifestation gifts will begin to tell the person who's bringing the news, well, didn't you presently come from so-and-so house? And and didn't they presently tell you all of this stuff and you bringing it to me to stir up confusion? They're like, huh? Because the Holy Spirit, he's going to let you know what's going on. And that's coming through discerning of spirits. Kwan are going to know what spirit that is. So that's why you need to know these functions. You need to know how they operate. Because when you know how each function operate, the enemy won't use this to try to get you to shut somebody else down in the body of Christ. Guess what happens? When a person gets shut down in the body of Christ, I used to say there is a ram in the bush. Yes, it is. But we don't want to leave that part injured. We want to make sure that we take care of that part that's not functioning. We want to make sure that's why you have an exhorter. That's why you have a gift of mercy. That's why you have all of these seven motivational gifts because we help one another to get done what needs to be done. A person that serves, they're going to be trying to help in every area. We done talked about a server. They're going to try to help in every area. A perceiver... It's one that's the eyes in the body of Christ. That perceiver is always watching. They're going to be looking. And when they see sin, they're going to call it sin. It's either black or white. There's no gray areas. They just literally hate sin. Why? Because they have a love for the word of God. And they're not going to allow that word to come any kind of way. So if you see somebody that's always bringing correction... That's a perceiver. They ain't backing down no matter what people say. They're going to tell you what the word of God has to say. And guess what? They don't get offended. That's a perceiver. Now, a server is a person that always come in and they're going to help out. They're the hand in the body of Christ. Remember, the perceiver is what? The eye. The server is the hand because they're always trying to help someone. They're always trying to do a good deed in the body of Christ. So they're the hands in the body of Christ. And I went over the characteristics in both, so I'm not going to go back through it because it is long. But I wanted to run through those. Now, the server can also be in the Bible when you look at um, helps, too, because they're always out there to help. 
And with the server, you never have to ask. They're always in the background doing stuff, helping in other areas without being asked. When you look at a server, it's not always in the kitchen. A server is everywhere trying to do what's need to be done. We say that the deacons are servers. The deacons are everywhere trying to make sure that things are done the way they need to be done. So if you see a deacon all up in your area, they're checking things out, making sure they're done appropriately. But let's say every time you turn around, here comes Brother Willie. And you'll say, didn't I tell you yesterday I didn't have it? And you coming back to me today? (laughs) I ain't got it today either. (laughs) So Brother Willie going to say, not acceptable. (laughs) We need this part so the rest of the body can function. I'm going to give you an example of that since I'm talking about that. The deacons go around and they check every area of the, the church. So let's say they go to the sound room and it's things that Athea does to help um, audio, um, video. And let's say what she should have done ain't done so it shuts down video. And if it shuts down video, guess what? We ain't got nothing going out for people to see, right? And if audio is shut down, you ain't hearing nothing, right? So who is it going to affect? It's going to affect Judah. It's going to affect me. So audio has an effect on this whole church. So let's say if, if Athea decides not to come in and Gloria decides to say, well, just because Athea ain't coming in, I'm not coming in. Guess what? Every joint supplies so my mic ain't turned on because nobody don't want to touch nothing because they don't know how to work it like audio. So I'm sitting up here trying to teach you without a mic. Um, Judah can't sing the way they need to sing because they don't have no sound. Um, the, the drums don't have sound. The keyboard don't have sound. So we're sitting up here with no sound because that function is not here. Give you another example. See, when you know how the church supposed to run, you will take it more seriously and you will allow God to open up your heart and say, when I'm not here, that shuts down something somewhere else. Like Judah. Judah sets the table. If Judah has practiced, I went over this before, and they have people, nine voices practicing, and all of a sudden somebody decide, or five of them decide, I'm not coming. What are they doing? They're shutting down Judah because the voices that they have, they need those voices in order to function the way they need to function. Some people say, well, you can make a joyful noise. Yes, you can make a joyful noise. But they were dependent on the altos. Altos say, I can't come. So we got all sopranos and they're not making the same sound that they need to make. But God will. Come in. The Holy Spirit will come in with the ones that hearts are before God. But let's say altos decide not to come in, tenors decide not to come in, and we just got sopranos, and it's at the last minute. All of a sudden, the sopranos mad because they say, I got to put out more because the altos ain't here and the tenors ain't here. So they sitting up there mad, and they clapping all crazy and looking all crazy and act like they don't want to sing. And then somebody's singing higher than the other, so the other one just putting the mic down and say, I ain't singing nothing. (laughs) Devil done his job. Instead of them saying, you know what, they're not here, but the spirit of the Lord ain't left the building. 
So we're going to make a joyful noise, but you have to be in a relationship with God for yourself. So when things do happen in the body of Christ, guess what? The Holy Spirit will come in and he will have your tenors. You'll have what you need. But what I'm saying, every joint supplies. And we all need each other. And let's say the ushers one day, Elno say, I'm just tired. I ain't got enough ushers. I'm looking at this door more than I'm looking at any other door. I'm just back here all the time. I'm just tired. I ain't ushering today. So Elno take a seat. Then Miss Mary look and say, well, I can't handle all this by myself, but to God be the glory, I, I do it. Because she said, you know what, if Elder don't want to sit, I'm going to still stand. And God's going to give me the strength to do it. So Miss Mary get up there, and she don't fuss about it. She greet from the left. She greet from the right. And she looks straight ahead and said, let me show you to your seat. God will do that. But let's say Miss Mary say, I ain't standing up here by myself. All these people coming in here, these babies crying. You expect me to hold one with this arm and hold one with that arm? Forget that. Then Erica say, well, I ain't doing it either. No ushers. Don't this happen in the house of God? Everybody get an attitude. But when you know your position, the love of God is what constrains you, what compels you, is what helps you to do what you're supposed to do. Because guess what, y'all? I have learned this. I don't like leaving people by themselves. I don't like just throwing something off on somebody just because I don't want to do it. That's just not my heart. So when you know what your function is, you have to be in the word of God and you have to have that relationship with God to say, God, help me to function in what you have given me so I will be a help to the body of Christ because we need each other. So you got perceiver, you got server, and then you got uh, teaching, the teaching gift. And we went over this um, a long time before dealing with um, the teachers. We know that they're the ones that um, go into the word of God to make sure that the word of God is taught accurately. So they have to go in there and then they have to study to show themselves approved. And I'm going to give you some characteristics on a, on a teacher because a teacher is going to come in and when someone is speaking the word of God and they know it's not right, they're not just going to take anything. Because they rightly divide the word of truth. So a teacher is one who teach God's word with understanding. A good teacher, you're going to know a good teacher. They're not going to bring you confusion. They're not going to be standing up here like a deer in headlights and just quoting scriptures and doing it like that. They're going to give you revelation behind what they're bringing you. Because a teacher is going to really dissect that word. Everybody's going to, now, just because everybody teach don't mean they're a teacher. You're going to know a true teacher. A teacher is going to take time in the word of God. A teacher is going to apply the word of God to his or her life before they try to even come into the body of Christ and give it to you. They're going to give you sound doctrine. So they love to study and do research. Now, a teacher is going to go research, meaning they're going to search the Greek. They're going to search the Hebrew. They're going to make sure that every word... Um, you may have the same words, but with different meanings. A teacher, through the help of the Holy Spirit, is not going to take one scripture and just go on that. They're going to go and find out why Paul said what he said, and, and um, they're going to do the why, the whom, the what, 
the how. They're going to go through all of that. They're going to make sure that they are illuminated. They're going to make sure revelation come through it before they give it to you. Anybody can get up here and read out the Bible and you don't get nothing. Some people will say, I could have done that at home. A good teacher is going to tell you why they're saying what they're saying. They're going to let you know this scripture has been taken out of content. This is not what the word of God is saying. They're going to tell you exactly what the word of God is saying because they're just not going to leave it wide open. A good teacher do not leave nothing wide open for you to figure out. They're going to tell you where they got it from, where it's coming from. Now, some people are so arrogant when they teach, they feel like, I got more revelation than you got, so this is why I got what I got, but they ain't going to leave you in confusion. And when you come back to a teacher, that teacher is going to um, be able to give you even more understanding of what they're saying. They're not going to leave you wide open for confusion. Okay, and a teacher is, they want to know all the facts. They're just not going to leave it alone. You know, just like in accidents, when somebody have an accident, um, you know, they go around and they ask different people that was around, what did you see? They want to know all the facts. They go from person to person to figure out, well, let's see what this one got. Let's see what that one got. So when a teacher go into the word of God, they're going to say, wait a minute, Paul said this, but it's coming reflecting from what Moses said. So, okay, God, what are you saying now? So the teacher is going to gather all the facts to make sure everything is the way that God will have it to be demands accuracy and they'll get upset when scriptures used out of content and I think I um went over one time it was a woman that had come to my house and we had this gentleman in there that he was like a Pharisee he would just talk the word but there was nothing behind that word he just wanted people to know that he knew the word of God and everybody thought he was so knowledgeable when it when it came to scripture and we was telling him to be quiet the lady got so upset. She said, I'm not staying in here when God's word is used out of content. And I said, wait a minute, let me, I'll calm him down. He'll be quiet. So, you know, she was the speaker for that night. Next thing I know, he opened his mouth again. He just wouldn't shut up. And the lady actually said, she said, uh-uh, I'm not having nobody messing up God's word. So when you have a good teacher, someone that know what the word is saying, they get upset when people try to come in and twist the word of God. That's like an anger to them. And it um, solves problems by starting with scripture principles. So a, a good teacher is going to solve problems by going back to the word of God and knowing what the word of God is saying. Um, we went over um, Matthew, the, the fifth chapter. Y'all know Jesus was a good teacher and how he taught um, what was the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus was very patient. He had compassion. He was operating in all those motivational gifts um, outside of being a teacher. So when we understand the characteristics behind these motivational gifts, we won't be getting on each other's nerves. Nobody won't think that they are better than anyone else. This is why I go back to Romans 12, verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. And again, I'm going to say, everybody in here has a gift, and we need to encourage one another. We don't need to put each other down. And things that we don't understand, we don't need to be putting it out there to try to make people think we know when we do not know. If you don't know, say you don't know. 
In Romans 12, in verse 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God have dealt to every man the measure of faith. These gifts that God give us, these motivational gifts that God has given us, they operate through faith. Meaning that when you know your gift, and you know that God has given you this gift, when you step out in that gift, people are going to see the manifestation of God through that gift because you're not dependent on you. You're dependent on God. Everybody in here got the same measure of faith. But when it comes to these gifts, people may see more faith in other people than they see in other people. The reason why, because the ones that's operating in these gifts, they trust and they're relying on God. They're depending on God more than this other person is. So they're seeing them operate even the more. I'm going right back to Sister Denise. When Sister Denise make up her mind to do something in the body of Christ, she has a determination about her. When it comes to money, she don't mind asking nobody to give for what's being done in the body of Christ. She will go to people. No gift is too small. No gift is too big. We'll, we'll take them all <laughs> because that's her gift. And she steps out in that gift and the Holy Spirit began to manifest himself through her to the people that they give her money. She don't ask for a certain amount, but they lay it in her hands. Why? Because she's stepping out in faith. And as she step out in faith, the Holy Spirit is coming in with the manifestation because she stepped out. She said, I'm going to trust God. Okay. If Sister Nice knows, she say, I don't have it in my bank. But just because I don't have it in my bank, the amount that's on my heart to give to the body of Christ, I know that it's out there. So she's determining and say, God, show me whom you want me to go to so I can meet what I need to meet for the body of Christ. So as she step out, her faith is operating because she's dependent on God and she's not dependent on herself. And that's why everybody in this room cannot operate without having faith. God gave you his kind of faith. Why? Because as you operate in his kind of faith, guess what? You're doing what Jesus done. He said, I don't do nothing outside of the father. Whatever I see the father do, that's what I do. This is why Jesus was so merciful. Why? He got it from the father. This is why he was so given. Why? He got it from the father. He was only operating by what he was taught by his father. When he stepped out to operate in it, guess what? The spirit gave him the power. The spirit gave the manifestation for them to know the kingdom has come to my house. This is how it's supposed to be for us. When you always say, I don't have, you never have. Your faith is not operating because God didn't operate like that. So in these motivational gifts, the manifestation come through the Holy Spirit for you to do what God has given you to do in the body of Christ. He began to manifest himself. So all of us have the measure of faith. We had to have that in order to be born again. So when you got born again, all of us got the same measure of faith. 
if people are operating more in something than others, it's because they're more dependent, they're more reliable on God than you are. And how did they get like that? They went into the word of God and they began to say, God, you said that you shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. God, in the natural, I don't have it, but I know that the kingdom have everything that I need. So just because the natural don't look right, I know the supernatural have what I need. So I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to thank you for what I already have. God, there is nothing too big for you. So a person with that gift of giving don't see $500 a lot. They don't see $1,000 a lot. They don't see it. And guess what God does with a person that's a giver, y'all? He can trust them with money. Because he know what they do with what they have. He know that as soon as they get it, they're giving it. So he can trust that person in the body of Christ to help others. See, that's what he did. Y'all, he put every one of these gifts in the body of Christ to help. We're here to help one another. We're here to give out of what God has given us. It is not for us to keep it. It is for us to give it out to help somebody else. We help one another in the body of Christ. It is not for us to pick and choose. It's not. Whatever the need is, whatever gift is here, guess what? It's already taken care of. It's supposed to be amongst us before we go outside. It's God put it in the house, y'all, because every what? Joint supply. So he said he has given all of us the measure of faith. But look at this. I'm reading verse 4 again. For as we have many members in one body. Y'all hear that? It's many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, the same function. We have many members, but guess what? All of us cannot function the same. Guess why? Because we would knock heads sometime. If I had all servers in here and didn't have no givers, we'd be a hot mess. Did y'all know that? If I had all teachers in here and didn't have mercy up in here, we'd be a hot mess. We all need each other. So we got um, people that are givers and they get so big headed and say, I don't need nobody to help me. We're a hot mess. Because everybody needs somebody. Amen. So don't ever say you don't need nobody because you do. That's why the disciples went out in twos, y'all, because they were there to help one another. So we see that every function is different. So we being many members of one body in Christ and every one member, one of another, depends on each other. So we're there. And this is what frustrates people in the body of Christ. When you depend on a person, that gift and that gift don't show up. If that person that's dependent on that gift that does not show up, grab an attitude because it don't show up, then we ain't going to function. That body going to be sick. This is what's happening in the body of Christ. The enemy know if I can get that body out of whack, then I'm getting what I need in the body of Christ. So that's why I'm going over these gifts, y'all, to let y'all know how important it is that when you know what your function is, that you function in that function and come out of the place that you don't supposed to be in. Stay in your lane because you are a vital part of the body. What if all of a sudden your heart said, I'm not pumping today. You're dead. 
I'm not helping the liver. I'm not helping the pancreas. I'm not helping the kidneys. I'm going on strike. You're dead. That's what the enemy want us in the body of Christ to be dead. Because every function in this body of Christ brings life to it. And that's why he want us to help one another. So then we go back. We dealt with teacher. I'm moving along kind of fast. Now we have the mouth of the body. Y'all, that's the exhorter. The mouth of the body, the exhorter. Edifying and encouraging other people. If we didn't have exhorters in the body of Christ, people would just sit down and don't want to do nothing. Because you can have a teacher that's teaching, that's going into the word of God, digging into the word of God and You know, making sure that the body of Christ is getting what they need, getting the knowledge and getting the understanding. And when the teacher is is ready to teach and nobody shows up, (laughs) nobody want to be taught. They don't feel like they need nobody to teach them. So the teacher get tired and said, what's the point of me studying? What's the point of me doing this, that, or the other? Nobody is coming to receive it. And even when they come to receive it, they go to sleep. So what's the point of me doing what I do? That's why you have an exhorter in the body of Christ where the um, Holy Spirit will manifest himself to someone in the body of Christ. And that person will come and say, you know what? God said you're doing a good work for him. And don't you come down. Don't you worry about what people do or what they don't do. If you don't have nobody in the room, you continue to do what God has called you to do. And God will manifest himself through you. That's what an exhorter does. And exhorter will encourage a person when that person feel like nobody want to hear me. Nobody want to perceive what I have to say. You always need an exhorter in the body of Christ. And some of their characteristics is this. Love to encourage others to live victoriously. Loves working with people. Encourage others to develop in their personal ministries. Wants to clear up problems with others quickly. And see potential in others. I'm going fast. Go back to the broadcast. Amen. Y'all know y'all better go back. That's what an exhorter does. An exhorter is going to encourage you. You know, no matter how down you get, they're going to begin to lift you up. You can do this with the help of the Lord. Don't you give up. God has brought you too far. God loves you. That's what an exhorter is going to do. Um... We have in Acts 13, verse 15. You can go back to that, dealing with an exhorter. Acts 11, 22 through 24. Acts 13, verse 15. Acts 11, 22 through 24. I'm going to give you one more. Give you a giver. The giver is the arm and the body. The strength and the weight. Y'all know why we call the giver the arm, the strength and the weight? You got to have that strength of that money, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the arm of the body. And I'll give you an example. Y'all remember Moses. This was in Exodus. It was in the book of Exodus 17 when there was a battle going on. And Moses' arms began to get tired. And he had two men lifting up his arms. And as long as his arms stood up, stayed up the battle was being won when Moses dropped his arms guess what the battle was being lost so when you have a giver in the body of Christ that giver is going to help hold up that body 
and help supply whatever need in that body that need to be given at that time. That's what a giver does. A giver is the arm in the body, someone in the body of Christ who shares material assistance and keeps specific needs provided for. A giver is someone in the body of Christ who shares material assistance and keeps specific needs provided for. That's what a giver does. When it comes to a giver, these are the characteristics. Gives freely of money, possessions, time, energy, and love. Gives freely of money, possessions, time, energy, and love. Say it again. Gives freely. The main word in there is freely. Of money, possessions, time, energy, and love. A giver, you do not have to keep saying over and over and over and over and over again to give. A giver gives. They don't have a problem giving because God have already put that in them. And I want to encourage people in this room. If you're not a giver, that does not mean that you don't give. If you're not a giver, that does not mean that you don't give. If Sister Loretta has the um, gift of giving and she gives freely all the time, she ain't going to have a problem. But let's say that she um, suit up with Monica. I'm using Monica for an example. And Monica don't have that gift. So guess what? Sister Loretta come in and she encouraged Monica. You know, we're doing this, you know, in church today. And this is the need that we have. And do you want to participate in that need? And let's say Monica say, well, I don't know. You know, my bills is just, just a long list of bills. Well, you don't look at your bills, baby. You look to him. Now, she know, Monica know, the words say, give and it shall be given unto you. But this gift that's in Sister Loretta, she, she already have it in her to do it. So Sister Loretta is not going to look at her wrongly and say, I don't understand, Apostle, why Monica don't give. Because she don't have the gift like you do. So you can't push her to do something that she's not in the place to do. This is what I want y'all to understand. When you have that gift operating in you, it ain't no problem for you to do it when you don't have no money. You're going to do it, but you cannot look at somebody cross-eyed and say, they don't do what I do. Of course they're not, because that's not their gift. But that should not stop people from giving because all of us supposed to be givers. All of us supposed to be servers. All of us supposed to be perceivers. But that don't mean you walk in that. That don't mean it's your gift. So understand this. Don't think you're getting off the hook because that ain't your gift. Some people say, well, that ain't my gift, so I don't have to serve. I don't have to give. I don't have to do nothing. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You choose not to do it because your heart is hard. When a person's heart is hard, they ain't going to give you nothing. You have to, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I see a dollar. I see a dollar. Ah! I give you a dollar. You had to pry that dollar out because they're trying to hold on because they're thinking if I give up that dollar, it's going to shorten me in my tank. You ain't where you need to be in the word. And that's the type of person that say, I am a pastor. No pastor does that. No pastor does that. 
Because you can't be up here and say, God said pay your tithes. If you don't pay your tithes, he's going to shut up the doors of heaven. I'm proved, I'm a, um, how they say that thing? It's proven in my life. I pay my t- liar, liar, pants on fire. You ain't paying nothing. But they try to make it look like that's what they're doing. So a giver, you don't have to prompt them up. Their mind is already made up to give. But whoever the givers are in the house, quit putting them down. And givers, whoever you are in the house, quit putting other people down because they don't do what you do. We need some encouragers in the house to encourage those that don't do what they do to get excited about the kingdom. Everybody have a part to play. And then the next thing is love to give without others knowing about it. A giver don't care who knows. Now, you have some people that's going to tell everybody, look at I gave 500 last month. Now, they're coming back and want 500 more. What they think this is, ATM? They ain't no giver. Then, wants to feel a part of the ministry which he or she contributes in. That's what a giver want to do. They want to feel a part. Feels delighted when his gift is an answer to a specific prayer. A giver, when they give somebody a specific gift because they are prompted to do so. Let's say if I walked up to Renee, I'm using an example, and and I just told her to open her hand, and I put money in her hand, and she went home, and she called me. She said, Apostle, that's exactly what I needed, and it's more than enough. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because I did what the Holy Spirit prompted me to do. See, he manifested what she was praying about through me. So that's what a giver does. A giver gets excited when that need has been met. And they give only by the leading of the Holy Spirit. They intercede for needs and the salvation of souls. Handles finances with wisdom. Quickly volunteers to help where need is seen. Has strong belief in tithing and given in situations addition to tithing. A giver is not going to be a true giver if they're not tithing. Why am I saying that? Because if you got a giver in the house, they're going to make sure that they're doing what the word of God tells them to do. They ain't going to go outside of the word of God. Believe God is the source of their supply. That's what a giver is. And I'm going to be honest. We have people with the gift of giving, but they are afraid that they're not going to have what they need if they give out of that need. How are you going to allow God to operate in your life if you don't allow him to operate in your life? How are you going to find out that he's Jehovah Jireh If you don't allow him to be Jehovah Jireh, he cannot be Jehovah Jireh until you let go of what you have in order for him to be Jehovah Jireh. The whole thing is give and it shall be. When you give your time, what are you getting back? When you give your money, what are you giving back? Money, anything. You give your energy, what are you giving back? So what did I say a giver is? It's not only in money. A giver is well-rounded in every area. When you give love, you receive love. People want you to love them, but they don't give a squat about you. People want you to encourage them, but they don't want to encourage you. People want you to give you their money, your money, but they don't want to give you nothing. That's selfish. 
That's not how it's supposed to work in the body of Christ. And when a giver give, they should not um, um, want something in return. Because, and then when the person that they gave it to, the person shouldn't feel guilty and say, well, let me see what I can find for them. This ain't no, um, what you call that show, Wheel of Fortune. You don't do it because somebody else did it. That's, that's feeling guilty. Oh, I ain't taking nothing else from them because they're probably looking for something for me. That's not how it works. We're supposed to know what our giftings are so that way when we know what they are, we can operate and function in them accordingly. Remember, y'all, every joint, what? Supplies. Everybody in this body of Christ is important. So we know that the giver, we use this as, what did I give y'all? The arms in the body of Christ. A giver is always there to meet a specific need. Now think about it. Was Jesus not a giver? When it was two fish and five loaves of bread, Jesus said, what do you have? <laughs> you better send them away. <laughs> Go and send them about their business before it get dark. Jesus said, these people been with me this long. Don't you know they're tired? They wore out. Let's see what you got. Well, we only have these two fish and five loaves of bread. He said, give them to me. They had to give to him first. When they gave to him, he looked to who? The real giver. And he just thanked God for what he had. He said, now go distribute. So what am I telling you? Jesus was the best giver it was. And how about when he need tax money? He said, Peter, you go to that fish that's in the lake and the first fish to open his mouth, get out the tax money, pay yours and pay mine. You give the Caesar what belonged to Caesar. You give the God what belonged to God. Nobody's left out, Right? So that's why we pay home we owe, right? So Jesus was a good giver. He was a good example. He always made sure people's needs were met. Y'all, in the body of Christ, there are needs. In the body of Christ, and we as the body of Christ, if we have givers, givers supposed to be meeting specific needs in the body of Christ. Whatever God give us, it's not for us. It's not, y'all. If we get extra, you know, sometimes we get extra and say, wow, go do it up. Get my nails done. Get my hair done. Mm, I can really get some good weave this time. What's the best weave, Kim? I can get the real stuff this time. I don't have to get that stuff that you spent all that time getting the tangles out of. Girl, I got me some money. And let's say somebody in the body of Christ, Brother Hayes, got a need. Well, what you looking at me for? That's between Brother Hayes and God. I ain't got nothing to do with it. God done gave me more than enough. There ain't no giver. A giver is going to have a prayer life where while they're praying, it ain't going to be about them. It's gonna, they're going to say, God, I thank you. That is somebody out there that needs something more than I need it. God, I have enough hair. I got it lined up in the closet. So I can wear whatever I want to wear. I can have Kim to curl it however she need to curl it. But it's somebody that don't have no hair. Lord, what do you want me to do? Come on now, this is the truth. That's what a giver does. A giver give out of themselves. And the Lord will tell you, you know that new wig? Somebody need it. Take it with you to church. Am I my amen? I need that do. So they go to church with the wig, and a lady stands up. She need help. Lord said, that's who I want you to get that wig to. Well, praise Jesus. 
So you walk up to him and say, ma'am, I don't know you, but by the spirit of the living God, he told me to give you what's in this bag. Thank you. She opened the bag in service and started screaming like she needed to be delivered. Then she give the testimony. I needed some hair. And the Lord sent me hair this morning. He's a good, good God. Oh, yes, he is. He sent me the best kind, too, that won't fall out. Thank you, Jesus. See? Y'all, we take this lightly, but it's true. A giver stay before God to know how to give because you got users in the body of Christ. They'll use your kindness for your weakness, so you got to know these users. So this is why all of these gifts have to be in relationship with God to know how to use these gifts accordingly so you won't be used any kind of way. We're here to help y'all one another. Every joint supply, everybody in the body of Christ is important. So remember, we need each other. Amen. These are the motivational gifts. And we know that the motivational gifts, out of them come the ministry gifts, right? You can't just go be a pastor and you haven't operated in none of these motivational gifts because a pastor needs compassion. He, need to be, he or she need to be a giver. They need to know how to teach. They need to be a perceiver. So you just can't just go over here in the ministry gifts and say, this is who I am. No, you got to know how these gifts operate. Amen. So every ministry gift need to know the operation of these gifts because the ministry gifts teach the body of Christ how to function in the gift that they supposed to be in. Amen. And the manifestation gifts operate through the Holy Spirit to release the power of God through the motivational, through the ministry gifts so they will know that God is in the midst of us. Isn't that awesome? So the manifestation gifts help you to fulfill the function that you have in the body of Christ. Y'all, isn't this good? I know I'm enjoying it. I think I went over it and over it and over it, and I went over it in different ways. So guess what I want y'all to do in the coming up Tuesday? As the Lord permits. How many I go over? Receiver, server, teacher, exhorter, and giver, I want you to get your teams together, and I want you to do a skit based on these five gifts, and I want people in here to identify which one is in operation. Everybody got it? I want you to do a skit. Get your people together, whoever's going to be in the skit, and I want you to demonstrate these five gifts. I'll give you an example. If I got a perceiver, you're going to have a perceiver that's going to be in your skit that's going to be talking about, that's sin. I ain't going for that. Then you're going to have a server all over the place trying to help, trying to serve, trying to be over here, trying to be over there. Then you're going to have a teacher that's going to be, well, let me give you understanding of what they were talking about and why they say they hate sin the way they hate sin. Then you're going to have an exhorter say, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're trying to incur, you know, they're just lifting us up and da-da-da-da-da. Then you're going to have a giver, and the giver going to say, what can I contribute to get this done that need to be done? Y'all got it? But we want skits from all of this. And let's see how they turn out. Jennifer? Oh, the teaching. I'm sorry. That's the mind. Thank you, Jennifer. The teacher is the mind of the body. It's the mind. 
Everybody got the assignment? Everybody understand? So be ready. You were here. I see you. Don't cut out on me next Tuesday. Because every joint supply. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I think this is going to be exciting because if we do the church the way God intended for it to be, we won't have all this mess in church. We won't have people trying to control something that they ain't in control of. God is the one that's over the church. Jesus, amen, he's the head. So we want to do things his way and not our way. Praise Jesus. Do we have any announcements at this time?